Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome and thank you for joining us this afternoon. Hello, Dan Torres. What's happening, Buzz? You voting? Is that what uh, that is? Well, I'm not going to vote today. Not today, right? And I'm already registered, but some Ooh. folks are not registered. I th- hope that everybody has gotten their information for voters from the Secretary of State's office. Um, uh, and it, it includes ballot questions, but not the fourth ballot question, Uh-oh. which we'll all um, learn about. But I, what I really wanted to focus on before we even uh, introduce our next guest, I'm very excited about our about both segments today, but the first one involves my dear and beloved Greenfield Community College, which is um, doing a Reading for Change project we'll talk about. But before I introduce those folks, I just want to point out that people have until October 29th to register to vote. If you are not registered, you have till October 29th. People might remember that the Votes Act here in Massachusetts, while so many states are um, trying to make it harder to vote, Massachusetts, thankfully, made it easier to vote and easier to register to vote. There's people who are being knocked off the rolls. I understand the estimates right now is in 26 red states, it will be about 1.25 million people who are being knocked from the rolls because, you know, tiny problems there. They put down street instead of road on their address or that sort of thing. Mm. It's just shameful. Here in Massachusetts, we're trying to make it easier for people to vote, uh, easier to register. Instead of being 20 days before, you can now register 10 days before the election, which is, of course, on November 8th. So you have until October 29th to actually um, register. So I'm just encouraging people to do that. If you did get this from the Secretary of State's office, every deadline is here for write-in ballots and absentee ballots and... um, you know, just uh, all the voting by mail, uh, the registration deadlines, um, what to do on election day, um, domestic ballots that are in the mail, November, yeah, till November 12th, and for overseas ballots till November 18th. So just take a good look at um, that red pamphlet which you got from the Secretary of State's office. And uh, did you get your? We have ballot down? questions. No, I have not. But we also have the ballot questions. Which we have three important. ballot questions in here. Yeah. One was too late for this publication. Oh, we is will that right? be talking a lot about that in the coming days. Um, I weeks. hope so. Yeah, indeed. I so. hope people don't just chuck it. You know, that's that's the goal. Hopefully, they read at least some of it. Yeah, it is really it's important stuff. Um, <laughs> there's, there's so much we're all. <laughs> struggling mightily to maintain our uh, the republic and the right to vote. And um, there it is. We're in Massachusetts, and uh, we're lucky we have a Massachusetts that wants you to vote. That's what the government says. But anyway, I want to turn, turn to this Reading for Change project. We have with us um, today uh, Dean Brian Capitulic. Let me start with you. Hello, Brian. Hello, Old friend, old colleague. I uh, yep. I saw Brian. Well, usually Tuesdays through Thursday. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of the semester, right. I saw him because I was off gallivanting on Mondays and Fridays. But um, so we have a project here uh, with us is archivist Claire Lobdell and career services uh, coordinator. I think uh, Shannon Doran. But uh, tell us what this this project is. So. Uh, Great to see you again, Buzz. Um, the Reading for Change project, this is the second year that we've, we've run this project, and the, the idea of it is it's a community read. Um, it came from a desire at the college among some people to really broaden our service and, and really live the mission of the college's service to the community by engaging with members of the community and, and building a sense of common purpose by sharing the experience of reading a common book and engaging with the with the ideas that 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 the book covers and now I remember last year when you did this same reading for change project uh, this community wide thing it was a collaboration with the Greenfield Public Library is it still yes this year uh, the Greenfield Public Library is is collaborating with the college and we've expanded our uh, our reach a little bit, um, and and Shannon may speak to this a little bit later, but um, she re- reached out to some friends and colleagues uh, from Mass Hire, which really um, got us to engage with some of the other community partners that weren't just educational institutions. Um, and through our friends uh, at Mass Hire, 
we reached out to the North Quabbin area, and we have folks from Athol, uh, Athol High School, the North Quabbin Coalition, um, as well as Franklin County Tech. Uh, so we've expanded our, our, our collaboration uh, uh, net a little bit wider this time around. Uh, and, and I, I should I say, I just want to add that we also we have some folks down at, uh, at or up at North Star Center for Teens that are that are engaged with this project this semester, which is very is exciting. Yeah. The second part is that you were just speaking of is the content of the book that people will be uh, reading in collaboration. And um, and issues around uh, career, and we will hear from Shannon, who is a career services uh, advisor at GCC. But I first wanted to talk to archivist and librarian Claire Lobdell. Why is it important to be reading the same book with people in the community at a college? Uh, I I think you know it gives you a common thing to talk about. I mean that's that's the whole idea of the common read is that it. It's a starting point for a conversation, and I think this choice in particular was a really good one because the stories are so compelling. Um, it's part of or put together by the um, organizer of the StoryCorps project, and it's excerpts of StoryCorps interviews. And so, um, well, that's interesting. Let's start there. I'm sure most of our listeners, if not all, know what StoryCorps is. But why don't you tell us what StoryCorps is and who the guy is that we're talking about here? Sure. So. Um, the author or editor of it is Dave Isay, who um, I believe started StoryCorps, if not started it. He's the one who runs it now. But StoryCorps is um, an organization that collects interviews um, from all sorts of people around the country. Um, and the interviews are all archived at the Library of Congress. And so um, usually it's conversations between, say, two people that know each other or, um, you know, maybe a few people that work together. Um, and um, because they're conversations, there's people are speaking naturally. It's, it's a narrative rather than someone writing out their life story. And I think because the stories in here are like trans, they're um, transcriptions of natural speech, it, it's very compelling to read. Very compelling to read because it's real people talking about their real lives and I think I read, I was just looking for it, um, and I didn't find it, but I think that the largest collection um, in in the U.S. government, in the Library of Congress, of uh, stories is the StoryCorps collection. I think that it's like 50,000 stories of people um, um, talking with someone else who's involved in their life about something significant in their life. It's, it's really, some of it is just average stuff that we all live, and some of it is extraordinary stuff that, uh, that is wonderful to hear about. Go ahead, Brian. And, and, and I'm not sure that we actually gave the title of the book yet, but the, the book... We haven't. We haven't. So the book... We're the book, keeping them on the edge of their seat. Right. <laughs> I'm going to tell them anyway. All right, uh, go ahead. The, the book is called Callings, The Purpose and Passion of Work, and it's, it's 52 or 55 stories of people um, talking about their journeys to finding work that was meaningful to them, work that aligned with their personal values. Um, and they're really compelling stories. And, and you know, they range, you know, uh, just a, a, an incredible range of, of um, occupations that people describe from public service to education to inventing things to astronauts. Um, they're really, really amazing and inspiring stories. Yes, yeah, so um, I want to turn to Shannon. Shannon, tell us, why this is an interesting choice of books as far as your career services um, gig is concerned. <laughs> okay. Well, I think um, I just want to add to the to the kind of accessibility of these stories. Like, they're one to five pages. Um, you talked about how human they are, and I think that they're really easy for us to relate to, but they also really highlight how unique we all are and how there's just this... Um, if we can connect, like, who we really are, like, figure out who that is and discover who that is, right, in terms of our, our interests, our passions, our values, our strengths, and find a way to translate in the world, which often does happen through work, right? We spend a lot of time and energy there. We need to uh, put hours, and we need, we need work. So a lot of times that translates through our work experience, and it really shows how people can find meaning, right, and, and be who they are and offer who they are to connect with the world, to contribute to the world and their community in ways that matter to them. 
Um, and I think it really also highlights for me, like, the importance of listening to our inner voice, like even the small voice that's curious about something or a little interested in something, because you can really see in some of these stories, like some people had the, the really big voice, right, like the strong passion where they just couldn't let go. But sometimes there's some really subtle things that help them connect with a past that was meaningful to them. And so we can really see how varied that is, how sometimes it can be really intentional, how sometimes we can experience these things just, you know, automatically by living and growing, um, it really just shows the whole gamut of how to be kind of true to ourselves and find our work in the world. So let me throw it back to Claire again. So uh, in in about the minute and a half that we have before we take a, a break for a few minutes, um, how how does, how do most people sort of um, find their calling? Is it that mixture that Shannon was just talking about, about who we are and what our personality is and what feels natural and then you sort of stumble onto the area that you're going to feel comfortable with and i, I mean as somebody who's re- could... read this book what do you think well i think it's a different path for everyone right i think for a lot of people there's some aspect of serendipity in it maybe it's someone you meet who you have a conversation with about something you never expected um you know, for other people, I think it's something that they know from, you know, early childhood, right? I definitely have um, family members who, you know, they love dogs and they knew that they, were, you know, that they were going to grow up to um, work dog. with the animals. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what my daughter wants to do. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it is a, a different path for everyone and hopefully f- for a lot of people that calling aligns with what they're able to do for to make a living I think that's not always the way it works um uh but yeah that turns out differently for everybody how they find that path Shannon when you're dealing with students and they're trying to figure out what to major in what careers are available for them uh you just mentioned a moment ago that people have to figure out who they are first and then find out what works for them how do you do that Sure. And I'd love to say, like, one of my big messages is that we don't have to default into a career path, that there are so many things that we can do to be intentional, both in our kind of inquiry and kind of, of who we are, our testing out of assumptions about what, you know, who we are and what we want to do. Um, and there's also just a lot of online research, but also experiential research that we can do. And so there's a mix of things. For each student that comes to me, they're in a different place. Um, and so there's this process of kind of figuring out where they are, what their big questions are, what their main goals are. Sometimes those goals are answering questions, getting more clarity. But really the the steps forward on one hand, not rocket science, but um, we're not taught those. Generally, most of us are not taught, you know, comprehensive career development kind of processes. Um, So there's a process of just helping students understand what are those steps they can move forward to get more clarity, to get themselves in situations where they can see more about themselves and know more about what they'd like to do. Um, And also just the process of figuring out, like, how do we talk to people about what we're engaging in right now and what kinds of opportunities we need or what our questions are? Um, Even like learning or think relearning how to ask questions is a big one in this process. Um, and really to be able to put yourself out there, even if you don't know exactly where you're going from here, that's such an important way for us to move forward and gather perspective that's outside of our box, right? That maybe opens to worlds and pathways that we didn't even know were there previously. That's a great place to break. Open to pathways we didn't even know were there previously. We're going to come back. We are talking about the reading, callings, the purpose and passion of work, GCC's Reading for Change, collaboration with the community, Uh, In Franklin County, we're going to be back with uh, Brian and with Claire and with Shannon right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Breaking news on Donald Trump and the Mar-a-Lago documents. There certainly seems to be some every day, and we'll clarify the law and the lawsuits and the jeopardy that Donald Trump faces on our segment, Law & Order, with Attorney John Pucci. That will be Wednesday at 9 o'clock. 
Bill Newman. Weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. Lundgren Honda. Experience it. Now, it isn't just one thing. It is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car, your first car, or to repair your car. Award-winning customer service, no-hassle, negotiation-free pricing, and friendly, familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle. Rob Avery from Lundgren Honda. We're all looking to get the most for our money when it comes to buying gas. How is your gas mileage doing? Is it as good as when you first got your vehicle? Let Lundgren Honda help. We will have one of our technicians perform an express oil change service. It will change your oil and filter and fill the engine with the correct oil. Check and set the tire pressures to the proper specs and make sure that your air filter is clean. All of these make a big difference when it comes to gas mileage. Call, stop by, or make an appointment online. Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and LundgrenHondaOfGreenfield.com. Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, DESE is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. Hi, I'm Missy Tatro, Assistant Vice President and Senior Mortgage Originator at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. Have we got some exciting news for you. And I'm Mortgage Originator Kimberly Gates. We're extending our offer to save up to $1,000 on your mortgage closing costs. There's still time to get a $750 closing credit plus another $250 when we pre-qualify you. Check out our new website and start your application now at bestlocalbank.com or come see us in person. As local lenders, we're here for you every step of the way. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Missy Tatro. Or me, Kimberly Gates, and save up to $1,000 on your closing costs. Close by November 30th, be a new first mortgage customer, or refinance from another loan provider. Minimum $100,000 loan, subject to change or end without notice. Other conditions apply. See bank for details. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender, member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with uh, folks from my favorite local uh, jewel of an institution, Greenfield Community College, who are collaborating with the community in Franklin County on a Reading for Change read. Um, that will be with Greenfield Public Library and others. Uh, and the book that they are reading is Callings, colon, The Purpose and Passion of Work. And we have with us the Career Service Counselor, Shannon Doran, um, Dean of Faculty Interim, Brian Kafatulik, and archivist and librarian, Claire Labdell. Um, let, let me go back to you, uh, Brian, which... It, what did you find last year uh, was the results of the collaboration that you had with the library and the community in your reading? What, did it live up to your expectations with your hopes? It did. Uh, I would say it, it exceeded my hopes because really my, my, my primary goal is to, to get people together and start a conversation about something that was important. And last year, the, the book that we read was focused on building empathy and I thought it went really well, and people showed up, and people participated, and one of the coolest things is that I've had several faculty members since then tell me that they, they're still using parts of the book that we read and talked about together in their classes, um, you know, one of which was a, a medical assisting course, you know, something that you wouldn't necessarily expect to, uh, to find that, or, or at least I wouldn't. Um, um, so yeah, it definitely, it definitely met my expectations, and... and um, hopefully started to build some momentum and that's why we're here today uh doing it again doing it again exactly yeah yeah and, and it might become an institutionalized project i suppose so if this is as successful as last year yeah i would love to see that i absolutely claire the librarian part of you mm -hmm. you said something earlier that sort of um tickled um me but 
I'm not sure if I can articulate even my question. It goes like this. Each of us are the product of our own experience and the prism through which we look at what we're reading, the story that we're reading is impacted by who we are and how we see the world. Um, so as a librarian, do you expect that um, different people collaborating, reading the same thing and talking about it, it's, it's going to be a more enriching experience for the people who participate um, than it would be otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we all have different perspectives, uh, you know, on the same event. Um, you know, it's one of the things that I love about this is that it is oral history, and I've worked with oral history projects for a long time. I used to work at the Kennedy Presidential Library mm. on their oral history program, which had, I forget how many, um, uh, hundreds, possibly over a thousand um, oral history interviews that were done with people um, who either worked in the Kennedy administration or knew him through all sorts of various... People whose lives he touched. Right, right. Um, and, you know, each of them had completely different experiences of of that period of time when he was president or of him growing up. And so, you know, through the confluence of all of these, you, you get... Um, you, you just get a sense of... Um, of the topic of um, the man of the administration. And I think, um, you know, talking to different people and thinking about this idea of what is a calling, um, it, it is going to be different for everyone. And I think having those conversations and hearing people's different perspective um, is, is such a rich um, experience. And Shannon, when we're talking about a calling, Obviously, we're not diminishing a job that it may not be one's calling, but that's yeah. a good job. You and in career services, you're trying to fight the, find the right match in the long term, but there's nothing wrong with just working a job, right? That's right. And I think we see some examples of that in this book, too, of people really just being their authentic selves and that coming through their work and that in itself being a gift to the people that, you know, they influence. Um, and, and even getting a sense of that person really being in their, in their full self, right? Like thriving because they just get to be who they are and offer, you know, offer that through whatever they're doing. So I think that is really important to honor. And, you know, and also even those who maybe have a very clear, strong vision and sense of purpose, there's usually a lot of steps along the way, right, to get to that point where you're realizing that full vision that look like jobs that maybe only, you know, engage parts of yourself um, while you're developing skills and getting the experiences under your belt that you need. So, yeah, it's all important. Um, and I think that really we see that in this book, like, you know, that us being who we are and offering what we can, whatever that looks like, is, is important. Yeah. I mean... Work is good for the soul. If you're really lucky, you're going to find something that is more your mission, your calling. And um, I think it's a very poignant term, calling, and thinking about that. Um, I feel really lucky. If you ask me to do another job, I think I would still do the same one that I've done, and I feel really lucky. Brian, last, uh, could you summarize for people what they need to know if they want to participate in the Reading for Change program and sharing uh, their experience with reading callings to purpose and passion for of work. Uh, what, what can people know? Where can they find the book? Where can they participate? Right, absolutely. So just like last year, we have three community events. Uh, they're all virtual. Um, this Thursday, the 22nd, is the kickoff event for, for the project. Um, and then in October, uh, uh, October 20th, there's a panel discussion where we have a handful of local professionals who have interesting stories to tell about how they found their calling, so that we'll be coming to share their stories. And then on November 17th, uh, we will have more of a resource-oriented conversation with, with local agencies and institutions that support people in uh, discerning their path and then connecting with the resources they need to to you know, to get that job, to find that career, to make that calling a reality. And putting, um, I want to ask you what else is going on. But I, I also, be, before we break, I just want to point out. I know my experience at twenty years of teaching. Um, there are students who come to a, a, a 
an open enrollment college like Greenfield Community College who have yet to learn, they've yet to develop their reading skills fully. And I was always looking for the right read that could grab somebody so that they could pour themselves into something and thereby catch the bug that obviously the three of you, Shannon and Claire and Brian, have caught about a passion for leading, reading. And this sounds like something that could really be that. Other people, how they find their calling for a young person who's looking to go to college and maybe make a career with people like Shannon and each of you helping. So um, I, I think that's interesting. So what else is happening at GCC? What other events should people know about? Well, they should absolutely... They should ap absolutely be aware that uh, this week the college is celebrating its 60th anniversary. It's huge. Uh, our beloved college um, is growing up. Um, and th this weekend we have, we have two events on, on uh, Friday the 23rd at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield as an, an alumni mixer. Uh, then on Saturday the 24th on campus there are a couple things going on in the morning. There are campus tours and faculty lectures and a car cruise. You'll have to tune in. What's a car cruise? Cruising in a car. Oh, okay. You're going to have to show up to find out, Buzz. And All then right. also on Saturday in the afternoon, there's a there's a, uh, uh, a celebration lunch, and there'll be remarks by uh, our, our new president, uh, Michelle Shute, um, as well as some awards that are being given. Uh, so it's a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope folks can can show up there. Please visit the website for information about. Uh, this weekend's program, as well as reading for change, sixty years. It's really it's 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 amazing. What a gift for our community. Um, it is the jewel of Franklin County. Yeah. Greenfield Community College has fulfilled so many dreams, and it continues to do so thanks to people like you, Shannon, you, Claire, you, Brian. So thanks for joining us today, everybody. It is the Reading for Change project. Um, it's Thursday. When is the first kickoff? It's six o'clock. It's in. Yep, you can go online and get the uh, the Zoom link. or look right at our calendar. There you visits. go. Yep. Everybody, thanks a lot. We're going to be back with Jackie Walsh. We're talking about Jackie Walsh's incredible playbill. That is, there is a fellow we're going to speak with who is um, rehabilitating a sixteen hundred seat theater in Holyoke to host. Off-Broadway plays that are circulating from Broadway. It's the big deal here in Holyoke. We're so excited to hear about it. And we will right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. The Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family-run since 1964. Experience it in Greenfield. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Greenfield City Councilors are expecting a large turnout at their meeting tomorrow night as residents are expressing their frustration with the return of Greenfield Police Chief Robert Haig. Greenfield City Councilor Doug Mayo tells Mass Live the mayor decided to sidestep justice and appoint him. Mayo says the public has lost faith in the chief. The meeting will take place at the Johnson Community Center at 6.30. Lawmakers are calling for federal investigations into Governor Ron DeSantis and Florida's use of taxpayers' money after he sent two charter planes full of immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Governor Charlie Baker addressed the situation with WCVB-TV. Really need more than anything is for the folks in Washington to get their act together. The system's busted and it needs to be fixed. Baker says Washington needs to come up with an immigration policy that is enforceable, that works, and that people understand. Deerfield's public library is getting a $12.3 million remodel and expansion. The original cost of the project was estimated at $8 million, but as many projects have seen, the costs have increased significantly since the COVID pandemic began. The director of Deerfield's Tilton Library, Candace Bradbury Carlin, says that in addition to the $4 million Writing Our Next Chapter grant they have applied for, they are also appealing to Governor Charlie Baker for federal ARPA funds. Senator Joe Comerford will be visiting the Tilton Library on Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. on her library tour. 
Chance for a scattered shower or two this afternoon, a high of 70 to 74. Scattered clouds tonight, overnight low of 50 to 56. Sun cloud mixed tomorrow, a high of 74 to 78. Another round of showers likely on Thursday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. Parents want the greatest opportunities for their children. Given the amount of time our children spend in school each day, parents want their child to be inspired, to be engaged, and to love going to school. At the Bement School, our students experience this every day. Bement's dedicated faculty and staff know each student well and work steadily to help each one discover their best potential. Bement's strong elementary and middle school academic programs, balanced with the daily fine arts and performing arts, as well as the physical development gained through daily gym or team sports, help students grow, learn, and become their best selves. Bement serves students in kindergarten through grade nine. Financial aid and area transportation are available to assist parents in making an independent school education possible. Bement will be the best investment you make in your child's future. Want to learn more? Contact me, Kim Laughlin, Director of Admission, or visit our website at bement.org. One thing I like about working at ServiceNet is that in addition to being a manager, I can still be a clinician. If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. For people working private practice who want to also still have a commitment to community mental health, working at ServiceNet gives the opportunity to do both at the same time. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Greenfield Savings Bank with offices all throughout Hampshire and Franklin counties. Greenfieldsavings.com. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back. It is time for Playbill with Jackie Walsh. Hello, Jackie. Hey, Buzz. So what do you have for us today? So we have still the season is going strong. There's a lot going on. Um, Shakespeare and Company, their last show is happening through October 30th. It's called Golden Leaf. Ragtime Blues, it, is, it takes place in the 1990s, just after the L.A. riots. It explores the unusual relationship between a black teenager and an aging Jewish vaudevillian through comedy and music. Here's something some people out there might say, hey, I can go to that show. It's only one hour and 20 minutes, which is very short, and uh, for some people, just about as much as they can sit in one place. So... They also have um, a discount for people who have EBT cards, meaning people with food stamps, $5 tickets that can't be beat. Then we have Mama Mia playing in um, West Springfield at the Majestic. I think we all know what Mama Mia is. This woman's living in Greece, and her daughter comes unexpectedly, and they're trying to figure out who the daughter's father is. And I think there's a little ABBA music in the middle of all that. There is a little <laughs> dancing queen action in there. <laughs> and that's through October 23rd. Masks are required at that show. Um, we also have <clears throat> a very interesting show at Barrington Stage in Pittsfield called All of Me, September 21st through October 8th. It's about a couple who use text-to-speech technology. He's in a wheelchair. She uses a walker. It's supposed to be a hilarious and candid portrayal of disability and class. And there is a free lobby chat about it on September 23rd at 3 p.m. Well, I saw a little light night music there a few weeks ago. I just oh, loved it so it much. It was amazing. It was one of the best shows of the season. Yeah. Edward Albee's Seascape is coming September 29th through October 23rd at the Unicorn in Stockbridge. It's about a middle-aged couple who meet two lizards on a beach. It won the Pulitzer. It's being put on by the Berkshire Theater Group, who also is in this uh, Mass Cultural Council program, meaning they offer $5 tickets for people who um, don't have the means to pay for a show. That's so great. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. Uh, you know, poverty should not be a barrier to theater. Theater should be 
there for all of us. Yes, and it's a new program. So 2017 they started. It's nice to spread the word because I'm not sure there are a lot of people out there who know about it. So, And it's not like every seat is going to be sold for $5. Usually they reserve like 20 seats a show or something. Um, then we have Angela Davis, A History of the U.S. A lot of us who are older than 50 know Angela Davis, right, Buzz? You know Angela I actually Davis. do know Angela Davis. <laughs> <You do>? um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to slightly object to that statement. Some <laughs> of us, even under 50, know Angela Davis. Are. Okay, sorry. Um, so how would you describe her? I, I mean, political activist. Yeah. Okay. And one of the smartest people you will ever meet. Okay. So that's September 30th through October 2nd. She won't be there. It's a production. It's at Mount Holyoke. It's a one-woman play. It is in French with subtitles, which I think is just the coolest thing. And that is, um, let me just turn my page so I get this right. That's part of the Massachusetts International Festival of the Arts, which is um, local, I believe. But we have Don Sanders online who can tell us about it. He is the executive artistic director of the Mass International Festival of the Arts, uh, the Victory Theater. And the reason he's here is that he is doing something so exciting. He's taken an old abandoned theater, closed since 1977 in Holyoke, and turning it into a magnificent theater. It will hold about 1,600 people, and it will it's the size and a facility that can um, can have Broadway shows there. Broadway shows. Don, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you. I love hearing uh, the wonderful array <laughs> of theater uh, in our, let's call it our region, right? It, yeah, and it is, it is wonderful, but most of the Berkshire theaters um, companies sort of um, winter... Uh, they hibernate during the winter. I was going to so say peter out, but hibernate is a good verb to they use. They hibernate, yes. right. And then they come back and fully florid in the spring. But the idea of having a venue for off-Broadway, wow. Don. Yeah, it's so exciting. So well, I'm just going to yeah. ask you an open question to tell us a little bit about your project, and then I'll hit you with some other questions. Absolutely. Well, uh, we, as you said, it's the Massachusetts International Festival of the Arts, and we are engaged in restoring and reopening the Victory Theater in downtown Holyoke. Uh, and it is a 1,600-seat Broadway-style and size theater uh, uh, with, uh, built in 1920. And the theater architects are Mole and Rand, among the most uh, highly thought of uh, legitimate house or live Broadway show theater architects in America. Their archives are uh, at Harvard, and three of their theaters are actively, I'm not exactly sure, I'm right in saying one might be closed because of COVID on Broadway now. So it is this treasure in the middle of our valley uh, that uh, went through lots of changes. It was it was envisioned and built and designed as what we call, and you guys will know, uh, as a legitimate house. And uh, uh, with every kind of... Um, an innovation of that period. It is column-free uh, and with dressing rooms, et cetera, et cetera. And it gradually became a movie house and closed in 1979 mm -hmm. uh, in downtown Holyoke. And um, we are engaged in uh, reopening it and making it be a regional performing arts center, not just obviously for Holyoke, but for the entire region. Our professional um, uh, uh, strategic planners who have guided us in the um, intricacies of how difficult this is to do. In their study uh, that they just brought out last year, there are 435,000 uh, people within 30 miles of the Victory Theater who go to theater now but go elsewhere. They don't go in the valley. They may go to some things in the valley, but they, they cannot go to a Broadway show because we don't have any uh, facility venue that is large enough to handle a full Broadway show. We've got some great venues, and I love them all, like the Academy of Music in Northampton. Uh, we have uh, uh, Symphony Hall in Springfield. Very, lots of very wonderful venues, but they were not built 
to actually uh, house the specialities that are needed for Broadway shows. So it's a very exciting project. And well, I'm, I'm not sure if I should ask this to Jackie or, or to you, Don Sanders. So I'll start with you, which is, is this kind of like the... Uh, the Iowa cornfield, they build a stadium and they will come. <laughs> it, what gives you such confidence that people are going to come to a Victory Theater in Holyoke, Massachusetts, with yes. a Broadway or off-Broadway play? Yes, it's a very good question, and I look in the mirror and ask myself that often. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm happy to be able to answer it with the uh, data uh, which has been brought to us by experts, and that was the data that I referred to that, you know, when I began speaking, the 435,000 people uh, that that are identified in the ways that data gatherers uh, do uh, that uh, do go to the theater. They're, they're folks that are going to, well, the theaters in, that you uh, mentioned in, in the Berkshires. They're also going down, of course, to uh, Hartford. Uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's where they're going. We don't have a theater that's on the Broadway grid uh, within our own three counties. Uh, and uh, so that gives me a lot of confidence. Um, I'm also buoyed by... The fact of, and again, you know, we, we have to factor in the interruption that COVID has thrown our way. But the Tier A Broadway touring phenomenon, ha, which has grown, I'm going to talk about the 10 years before COVID, into this phenomenon uh, where um, if, if, the, um, if there is a theater, audiences are able to experience uh, really not second uh, tier cast, etc., but the full, absolute kind of show that could be seen on Broadway. So exciting. And, uh, We're going to take a break. We're talking sure. with Don Sanders. Jackie Walsh is going to continue the conversation after just a couple of minutes of break. We're talking about Don's uh, initiative to renovate the Victory Theater in Holyoke and make it um, a 1,600-seat venue for Broadway and off-Broadway. We're going to be back with Don Sanders and Jackie Walsh right after these messages. Stay with us. Scotsman dropped in the middle of a This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg 1015 WHMP when the scholar the ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter by 14 they placed him in charge of a trading charter and every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves he struggled and kept his guard up inside he was longing for something to be a part of the brother was ready to beg steal borrow or barter then a hurricane when it's happening here in the valley we're talking about it we have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns we need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Things to do with butternut. Roast it with butter and sage. Mash it with butter and maple syrup. Stuff it with quinoa, kale, and cranberries. And then there's curried butternut soup. Squash. The season is long, the recipes are endless, and River Valley Co-op is a fall festival of squash. Next time you're there, buy that squash you never buy. Kabocha squash or Blue Hubbard squash. Why? Why not? River Valley Co-op. Everyone is welcome, not just members. And everyone is wild about local squash. When somebody dies, even if it's somebody old or somebody sick and the family is expecting it, it's still a shock. For the past 110 years, the Saluzniak family has opened the doors to their home for generations of Hampshire, Hamden, and Franklin County families, offering comfort and guidance when it's needed most. There's a certain assurance from knowing that for 110 years, four generations have offered caring help with honesty, integrity, understanding, and the highest standards. The Saluzniak family wants you to know they understand things may have changed, but their dedication to helping your loved ones in your time of loss has never wavered and it never will. They are here for you taking every precaution and will help you understand how you can pay tribute during this challenging time. 
Sluzniak Funeral Home. Up at North Street, Northampton. Oh, people have always had a hard time saying Sluzniak. It seems that the CZ always gets everybody. Sluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton. They're not easy to spell, but they are CZ to spell. Join Mark Patrick Seminars and lose the weight guaranteed for only $49.99. Hypnosis designed to stop disordered eating and cravings. Also, you can stop smoking with Mark Patrick Seminars. Hypnosis can destroy your desire to smoke without cravings, irritability, and weight gain, or your money back. Join the over half million others who have attended. Seminars are Monday, October 3rd at Hotel Northampton. The weight loss seminar is at 5.30 and the stop smoking seminar is at 8 p.m. Go to markpatrickseminars.com to learn more. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday Downtown Sounds? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save percent. Downtown Sounds Workers Co-op, a music store with new and used instruments and lessons. Live online or live in person. First lessons free when you buy an instrument. Plus, repairs of musical instruments and equipment. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we're here in the studio, in the studio with Jackie Walsh, and I'm looking down at her pad, and I see a gazillion questions for Don Sanders about the Victory Theater in Holyoke. And unfortunately, we can't get to a lot of them. But um, So, Don, just walk us into the theater from the sidewalk and tell us, uh, just highlight what we see. We don't have a lot of time, but... I hear there's yes. some amazing murals and some other yes. things. What what are some of the things that jump out at you that you love? Well, you walk in, if you've been to a Broadway house on uh, in New York recently, it really absolutely mirrors. If you, if you had gone in blindfold and I took the blindfold off, you'd think you were in a Broadway house in New York. It's organized with an exterior, you know, uh, 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 an entry vestibule, which had the uh, box office on one side, the tickets and will call, and then doors, beautiful glass doors uh, in wood that we have found. They were miraculously preserved and down in the basement that you then walked into the inner lobby uh, and to which there a grand staircase comes down in beautiful wood, all of it very damaged now. And you can go up, you go upstairs to the dress circle and to the balconies. If you go straight ahead, you go in, you enter into behind the uh, orchestra part of the uh, ground floor, uh, which has, uh, again, mahogany paneling. And you, you'd think exactly that you were in a Broadway house. And you have 800 seats in front of you going to a, a proscenium stage, which has a magnificent um, arch, proscenium arch, and the murals were and will be back on either side of those arches. Uh, then you can, the floors, uh, the trim of the floors is all Vermont marble, as are the staircase treads. And you, if you go out to a staircase at the, uh, keep going from behind uh, the um, orchestra, you go up a staircase that leads you into one of the most beautiful rooms, I think, in Massachusetts. It's an oval um, uh, mezzanine lobby uh, paneled in wood. And from that, two staircases lead you to the dress circle, which there are 300 seats in the dress circle, which is a beautiful flying balcony, in essence, you know, uh, flying over uh, the rear part of the uh, orchestra. And then if you go up another set of staircases, you come up to the lower balcony and the upper balcony. It's, a, it's just a magnificent theater. Well, wow. so a lot of theaters require perfect. mass. Will you be requiring me to wear a first stole and high heels and white gloves? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, nor will we, but I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> we will not, we will do not deny entrance to anybody wearing that kind of outfit. <laughs> so my question is, how did you find this place? I mean, I live 40 miles from it, but I never came across it. Well, in Holyoke? Yes. Well, Jackie, it was completely sealed up. It had closed in 1979. It was taken by the city for back taxes. Uh, a very far-sighted group of people saved it from the Wreckers Ball because it had so much emotional and uh, value attachment for them. And they were going to restore it. Uh, 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 and, of course, finding the kinds of money that, that 
was needed, they were also going to restore it as a movie house. And by the time we got into the early 90s, movie houses of that size, as we all know, were not um, of any use to anybody. And what they hadn't realized was, of course, they knew that it had opened as a live house, but it had been a movie house for so long that they hadn't realized that its actual value isn't being returned to a live house. So um, the famous jazz composer Bill Russo, his mother used to say, he would tell me when we did a project together, that when anything went wrong, his mother would say, God was protecting us. So, (laughs) 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 So there's a case where... If all the money had been raised then, uh, it would have been turned into a movie house, and it would not have been a good idea. So if something was protecting it to go back to its original, very beautiful uh, purpose. Wow. So Don Sanders, we only have two more minutes, and uh, I just want to inter- interrupt for one minute. If people want to support your endeavor, volunteer, yes. donate yes. money, how do they do that? Okay. We love them. And I urge people to visit our website, which is www.mifafestival.org. That's M-I-F-A-F-E-S-T-I-V-A-L.org, where they can call us at 413-540-0200. And make their make their desires known, and we will try. We we will find a way <laughs> to embrace them. <laughs> now, when are you hoping to open? Well, we have we, we are. It is a two-year construction project. So as soon as the full amount of money is raised, we go to construction, and it's eighteen months to two years. I'd like to see it open, you know, in uh, in twenty twenty-four. And if you had your dithers, what would be your opening show? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hamilton. I'm going to withhold withhold that and make you guess because it's in a certain way very obvious, but it's fun for people to guess, and then you'll have me on the show again. Oh, Oh, we definitely want to have you on the show again. I like it, yeah. Very nice. (laughs) You know, when I go to Broadway Theater now, we only have about a minute, but when I go now, uh, I can actually bring a glass of wine or water in with me. Is that what you're envisioning at this point, or is that too lost in the weeds? The architects have, have actually designed five um, concession bars. Uh, I call them bars <laughs> in the theater. If it's going to be fabulous, nice. And I'm sure it's going to do. I would do like a- to say. Go ahead. I would like to say that um, uh, what we do in 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 anticipation of the victory being open is uh, Jackie. You mentioned earlier about the show that we're bringing in from Paris. Uh, the Angela Davis, uh, A History of the USA. We do smaller productions. Uh, we actually started this whole effort by bringing Barishnikov into Holyoke at the War Memorial for the beginning of his last world tour. Um, so we bring entertainment events in that we think will, you know, whet people's appetite to understand what could happen at the theater because it will also be in addition to Broadway shows wonderful international events like theater, opera, music tribute shows, special special kinds of things that, that can make use of a theater like the Victory. Okay, Don Sanders, we are so excited about the renovation of the Victory Theater. I wish we didn't have to cut you off. We do. We definitely want to have you on again and want to keep up with the progress of this ambitious and really promising project. We love theater. We love Broadway. We love the Victory Theater. Jackie, thank, thank you so much for bringing Dan on. Thank Don you on. so much. Thank you, Don. Join us tomorrow. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. If your Spanish-speaking employees spoke better English, and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group station.